Taylor, hello. Here hello. we are. She's so jubilant right now. It's amazing. I am. I'm boisterous, if you will. Why are you so uh, rowdy? Why are you so boisterous? You have too much levity for this podcast right now. Honestly, I'm too peppy, um, mm-hmm. too cheerful, some toxic positivity to begin the episode with. That's exactly what I want after a long work day where all I want to do is complain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I I don't know why. Maybe I'm just g- glad to hear your voice, glad to still be podcasting, got 50 plus episodes. It's just a good mm-hmm. day. It's a good day to be alive. You know what? Actually, Chandler, I remember whenever I would get coffee at Pete's Coffee in San Clemente, Why are we? Can you give me like the uh, the talk show version of this story? I am. It's going to be very quick. It's going to be like 30 seconds or under. I would walk in, San Kamani, Talega, or Pete's Coffee, and there was this Mm -hmm. like very attractive Greek man. Mm -hmm. And he was like very hot. And he was probably like 30, okay? And I remember he had two kids. And I think his name was Michael. And he would say, he'd always say, you got to love your life. And that's how I feel. You gotta love your life. I don't think anyone with more than two kids says stuff like that. Something <laughs> yeah. that sounds like a, something a two kid person would say. You two gotta love your life, child. right? With two kids. To- well, it always kind of shocked me because he always he just seemed really happy all the time. Mm-hmm. Michael was very jubilant, and I'm channeling I mean, if, his energy. If he was at a coffee shop on a weekday, he probably also he was worked rich there. Too. Oh, he, he worked, worked there. there. Yeah, that's why it was kind of shocking because he also had like two kids and it was just like, let's brew some beans, bitch. You got to love your life. Right, right. Well, I actually, now that I think about it, if I were his kids, I'd be like, stop having such a good attitude and get us get a better job. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Honestly, it's a droop. Yeah. Uh, well, whatever. Well, In Southern California, it's not going to work on, it's not going to work on a Pete's Coffee barista salary. Seriously. I could barely pay for my Nordstrom Rack shopping on right. that salary when I was a barista. So anyway, I got to step it up. Are you on cocaine right now? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just feeling good, baby. Yeah, honestly, this is like this is when I start to wind down for the day. This is literally when you're gonna like, I haven't even had dinner yet. Like literally, I'm at the lowest of lows. I didn't even have coffee today. How sad is that? Why have you not had coffee? I actually have two, I have two things to say that uh, I wanted to oh. talk to you about. Um, I have the talk version. Yeah, um, I'll give you the talk show version. The first thing is, I was, I've been working on this production. For work and I just got like the deck from the uh, production company and they were like talking about what systems they're going to use and Lauren they are using Zencaster and so now oh my which is guys I don't know if you're familiar with this but Zencaster is actually what we use and little does my job know that I have this hidden expertise more like superficial expertise on it um you are I've a used user it. I am a user and so I today I felt like my job was lucky to have me that must have been a new feeling. So I'm, right. I'm glad for you. Experience something new in your life. Thank you. And the reason I didn't have coffee was because I last minute was asked to present at a very big meeting. It wasn't necessarily last minute, but I last minute got roped into it. And But it's a good thing because I need to be pushed out of my comfort zone. And I had to present to like 100 and like over 40 people over Zoom. So that's really like the equivalent of what, three people in real life? No, Lauren, it's different, okay? It's completely <laughs> different. It's a- you ever presented to 140 people? Have you ever presented to 75 people? Um, I've what's presented ma- to many people in real life, sure. Well, what's many? What's many? Do we really want to get into it, you know? Or is no, this really I'm just, t- I just want to one-up you. Anyways, what I'm saying, I had to take a beta blocker, of course, and I don't drink coffee when I have to present because it makes me more anxious. Oh, gotcha. Well, I'm happy for you. 
Okay, Jen, well, to the matters at hand, let's get on to celeb tops. Let's dig in. That sounds a little dirty. Um, Travis Barker. Yes, we talked about this. I want your thoughts. We are connoisseurs of an Instagram caption, a romantic Instagram caption specifically. We are. He posted a photo of himself playing the drums. It's an action shot. He's throwing a drumstick in the air. Not the chicken kind, which is what came to mind as I said that, (laughs) but an actual drumstick. And the caption read, this honestly almost broke the internet. It's still up too. I thought it was going to get deleted. Okay, you ready? He's throwing a drumstick in the air and he says, all day I dream about bleep with you. And then he tags Kourtney Kardashian in it. She is tagged in the photo. Like, I said to myself, if this was ever posted about me and I was a subject matter, I think I would simply pass away. Not necessarily because it's the epitome of romance, but just it's a lot. It's so embarrassing, in my opinion. (laughs) This is not a post I would ever want I just don't – I don't like it. It's, I mean, I, it's cringy. I like Travis Barker. Actually, I went down a rabbit hole where I saw a video of his daughter, like, putting makeup on him, and he was really sweet, and I think he's, like, a great dad. But, like, that's, like, the role that I like him to play is, like, this great dad who, f- who falls in love later in life with Kourtney Kardashian. I don't really want that other side of him. Yeah, it's just – it's pri- – it's these are private thoughts and they're just cringy. Sure. And I don't – it's not about an age thing. It's not like, oh, this would be appropriate or cool if he was 20. Now he's like oh, 40. Right. Not cool anymore. It's not about that. It's just like this is cringy at any age. And I like – I like an emotionally, mm-hmm. you know, like a post from a man to a woman. Like a horny post from a man to a woman. It's less stirring. It's definitely less stirring. Some might think it's more stirring. It's actually less. And for reference, should we just refer back to the Brad Falchuk caption for Gwyneth Paltrow? Just so we can do a little side-by-side really quickly. A little juxtaposition. Let's do a slight juxtaposition. Okay, let's take this photo. Okay, here we go. Let's take the photo of her sitting on the beach looking over her shoulder. Mm -hmm. When was this photo taken? 1940? 50? 70? Last summer? It's this timeless beauty's birthday today. She was born with endless gifts, big blue eyes, a brain and heart overflowing with curiosity, generosity, and possibility, and those heartbreakingly long legs. Okay, now that's the, <gasps> that's the type of sensual nod I want, okay? That go yes, on and totally. on. But she never rests on any of them. Gwyneth, you're the hardest working person I know. From your first cup of coffee to your last cup of whiskey at night, from the gym to the office to homework at the kitchen table, you give us all all of you, all the time. I have chills. And always with a smile. Almost always. Maybe that's why, even though you are the best person ever, you keep getting better every year. Happy birthday. Love. Wow. No no chance in hell any man will ever do an Instagram caption about either of us. That's like, no. you're the hardest working person of all time. I was like, like, oh, wah, wah. <laughs> um, you complain. Yeah. The way you complain is the most beautiful thing <laughs> heard i long for the day so i can come home and hear you complain kagan told me my capacity to be on vacation indefinitely is like basically disturbing to him recently i don't think he's ever yeah knows no bounds he's never gonna say you're the hardest working person i've ever known anyway i don't even want to be known as that but i 
but I think this is a great thing to bring up, Chandler, because these are very um, comparable times, right? Like mm-hmm. Brad was still in the honeymoon phase with Gwyneth when he wrote that caption. And obviously Travis is currently in the honeymoon phase with Courtney. So these are like, there's been many captions since from Brad about Gwyneth, some better than others, but these are very similar in terms of timeline. So thank you. Very good artifact, celebrity artifact to bring right. up. And yeah, Thank like you. there's no writerliness, there's no newness, there's no inventiveness in Travis Barker's IG caption. And I just, I'm unimpressed. I think you hit it on the head when you were like, this is just a horny caption. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a picture of him. Exactly. Ever thought it's about like, that? Ever wow. thought about of that? Of course, it's a man's world that we're living in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, and to yeah. think that I was like, impressed by the fact that she was tagged yeah exactly you're like how romantic she's tagged in this photo (laughs) i mean (laughs) i guess that's how you sound in my mind wow (laughs) we can talk offline about that she's tagged in this photo i can't even redo it so rude uh okay okay chandler to talk about let's to move on to like romantic neediness yeah a little bit I do want to have a chat with you because you and I have recently talked both of us about being romantically needy really needy all right we're we're waiting into we're we're waiting into some hashtag vulnerable territory yes we are so we'll see how much of this we keep in right and recently your can we talk about this can we talk about the text your boyfriend sent yeah, let's. I'm trying to think what. Yeah, let's talk about it. I don't know what it so is. Recently, so we'll see. I have an IG story of me and Kagan from like three years ago, where I was like, we were hanging out, and I was nuzzled into him, and I was asking him for one kind word about myself. Oh yeah, like for him to say one kind word mm-hmm. for the camera, mm-hmm. just something kind. And I guess your Mr. New York watched it and yeah. sent it to you and said, "This is you. You two are the same." And I guess this is all around about roundabout way of telling you that I found out recently when I was having dinner with mom and dad that this is actually Their fault. something that's been going on for a long time. That this being emotional needy. neediness, particularly you being needy, oh, has been gosh. going on for a long time. Oh, great. I did not sign up for this. Okay. Because apparently when we were like when you were like two and a half or three, mm-hmm. you were in like, I think it was Sunday school or one the nursery at church and dad and mom were there and it was like they were nursery leaders or whatever. So they were in charge of all the little kids and it was at the end of the hour mm-hmm. and it was time to clean up the toys. And dad sent to, said to one of the children, grab it, rabbit, like grab the toy. Right. Like, and, and you apparently looked at him with a, as a two and a half year old with a jealous rage in your eyes it said you only say that to me you only call me rabbit and I just think that's really interesting I didn't I I thought this was perhaps a new thing like a learned behavior but no this has been going on for a long time I, especially for you okay okay Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to blame it on birth order. I'm going to say that there was very little that was mine as the fifth of six. And that's why I, you know, what is mine is mine. And I will claim it and I will bite back at anything with a fiery vengeance that tries to steal something that is mine, rightfully mine. Whether that be affection, possessions. I'm going to blame it on birth it was order. Actually, it was actually so cute because dad was like, dad, dad's in, like impression of you was being like, and then she said, you only sick. 
call me rabbit. Only call me rabbit. <laughs> yeah, it's actually funny because I'm not the type to be like mad. I'm more the type to just instantly crumble. But you know what? Honestly, this is some I am like discovering new things about myself all, all the time as one does as you move about the world. But I'm realizing that I think I, you know, probably have a little bit of anxious attachment and that's okay. I think also, I don't think I'm necessarily like super needy. Maybe everyone who's ever dated me who might ever hear this or anyone who's currently dating me might disagree. They disagree. But I just also think that my attachment style is not to turn away, if you will. Some people are like, oh no, I don't need any affection from you. I know exactly where I stand all the time. That's not exactly my first inclination. Would you say that's yours? No, absolutely not. We also grew up in a very effusive household where there was constant showering of affection. I love yous. Like there's a reason I like accidentally say I love you all the time. Basically, it's a running joke in in all my relationships. Like I just literally it's like you're just an extremely affectionate family. We're an extremely effusive family. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's tough once you interact with someone from the normal world who isn't used to just like showering praise and validation constantly. Mom literally gave me a locket when I was like eight that was like, you are my gift. (laughs) (laughs) That gives you a complex. Okay, that gives you a complex as a kid. Chandler, you are you're personally my gift, so well, I want you to know that. I'd like to have a locket with that engraved. Uh, saying so, great. Mm-hmm. Okay, good to know that it's going to take jewelry for you to feel <laughs> to feel fully doubt validated right. in the sisterhood. Okay, another thing that happened at dinner with mom and dad, and this is something you've experienced many times. So yeah. our parents, like, they used to do this thing when pe- when the server would offer like the cocktail menu, where <sighs> they would act like a little offended, like, "Oh no, <laughs> absolutely we do not. not drink." Like. We don't drink. No, just water, just water. So now, but instead, mom has transitioned from that <sighs> to now no, her, what she does it. is she says, she says, she throws up her hands. She says, no, thanks. I just got out of rehab. Or does she, oh, she doesn't point to you. She points to me and says, this one just got out of rehab. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the two. It's either she just got out of rehab or one of us at the table is like, and she's pointing at us. Give it up, mom. Give it up. And what's so funny, so we were at Humble P of Chang's in Irvine Spectrum. Mm-hmm. And mom you know, throws up her hands. It was divine. And she goes, oh, no, I just got out of rehab. And the sweet server was like, oh, my gosh. Like, my brother just recently oh, got, no. got out of rehab. And I respect that. I have so much respect <gasps> for that in your journey. And I just looked at mom. I was like, mom, this isn't a funny no, joke for people. This joke. is like life and death to right. a lot of people. Right. Like you shouldn't joke about this. Oh my. So did, what did mom say? Did mom respond? Was mom, did mom tell the truth or did she lie? Not a lot. Honestly, I feel, I don't know. Mom was like, a, I felt like a little distracted. I didn't feel like she fully understand what was happening. Uh-huh. So she just like promptly ordered lettuce wraps and the conversation moved on. But I definitely was like, gave an apologetic glance to the server. Oh my gosh. That's when I'd like excuse myself to go to the bathroom to go on my phone because I couldn't handle the embarrassment and the secondhand shame. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, Chan. Well, I'm glad to catch up with you. I'll be it briefly. You guys, we have a really fun interview today with Damarie Spaley. She is an amazing designer who we like adore and basically worship. Yeah, her designs are just so incredibly elegant, beautiful detailed they're so feminine 
I feel like it was really fun getting to talk to her because she has such a such a beautiful personal history. But second right. of all, she really blends her knowledge of art history and fashion into one and that comes out in her line. And so it was fun to hear about her background and to hear about behind the scenes of actually what it takes to start a fashion line. It was super cool to hear about her story, how she started the brand, what her thoughts are on the Doan drama. Mm-hmm. So we get into that. Like her perspective. It's great. Totally. It was honestly just really inspiring to hear about her entrepreneurial journey, how it all works. And I bought her one of her pieces a long time ago before I even knew that we were connected socially. So it was I was a little bit pinching myself that we got to talk to her. Yeah, I am obsessed with all of her designs and her entire line and previous lines. I yeah can't get enough. Really was like such a joy to have her on the pod and to hear her process and her perspective on all things fashion and other fun stuff too. Totally. All right. And with that, enjoy the interview. All right. Today we are joined. We're so excited by, and I just learned how to pronounce this correctly, <laughs> but Marie Bailey, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I love you guys. You guys are so fun. Oh, we love oh, you. Thank We're you. so happy to have you. What's so crazy is, so you are a fashion designer and you have this most beautiful label and I bought a top like five years ago. I know. I think in like 2016 (laughs) in my little like BYU studio apartment, it was like a major splurge and I remember like, and then I remember somehow I connected the dots that like you actually knew a friend of mine and I was like, oh my gosh, my friend knows this like major designer. Like that's like so cool. (laughs) So anyway, it was just like so crazy to, to realize that you were connected to us. It was, was it Jenna Robert? Yeah. Okay. That is so funny because I remember, okay, because like you bought a top right when I started and like at that point it was just really family and friends. So when I saw Lauren and I saw your name and I was like, okay, I'm going to like look her up. Who is this girl? And then I looked you up and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so beautiful. And I was like, so like flattered. I was like, that's so awesome. She got the top, you know? And then, yeah, I was so excited. And then the funny story is then, then I connected with Courtney and then I was like, wait a minute, Bledsoe. I'm like, that sounds familiar. And then I looked you up. I'm like, it's her sister? I'm like, that's just so crazy. Like three years later, I'm like, it's like, it came to like a full circle, you know? That is so funny. Well, I have to tell you that, I have to tell you that, as you know, if you listen to the pod, Kagan has extreme fashion opinions, (laughs) but that top is one of the only pieces I've ever worn that he's repeatedly been like, I really like that top. Oh, that makes me so happy. I wonder what it is. I wonder if it's like the dark color or there's just something magical I think about a dark floral. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's not like something you expect usually. Totally. Light florals. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. I know. I was laughing about how you said that. I'll talk about Doan and everything, but then you said like everything that you were of Doan, like he's just like, I don't like it. <laughs> Oh, hate, 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 hate. Yeah, it's so funny. He's like, oh, please just don't wear that one farm girl dress again. <laughs> when we were going somewhere, somewhere the other night. Oh my gosh, that's funny. <laughs> Meanwhile, I get like DMs from people on Instagram that are like, oh my gosh, I need dress deets, need info, yes, love right, this yes. look. It's not the same. Men have a different yeah. taste. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he literally wants you in like Billabong and like Hurley. You know what I remembered? I remembered that he had showed me a picture of a girl in like Steve Madden combat boots, like with Mm -hmm. dark skinny jeans tucked in and was like, I love this. What? (laughs) What? This was like three, this was like three years ago. Okay. So 
No, horrifying so now, even then. So now I'm like, okay, I can't trust his opinion. His only one, his only one judgment I can trust was on the the Dummery Bailey top. Okay, good. So now I'm like thinking, I'm like, is it a compliment or is it not a compliment? <laughs> no, I'm, like, like I should never have said that. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. That's awesome. So, wait, okay, so let's. Chandler and I are super curious because, uh-huh. like, I and. One of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on is because, you know, it's really easy to start like a photography business. You just can order like a $300 Canon on Amazon Prime and you can be like ready to get up a Squarespace website and be ready to go in like two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole other thing to start an entire fashion label, yeah. like a hard good goods business with inventory and like uh, so much upfront cost and production cost and all of that. And so we're just dying to know, like, first of all, how you've adopted a non-worksoft lifestyle. And second of all, how it all works. Like, we're just so curious. And like, so basically, let's start from the beginning. Like, how did you get the idea? And how did you start? All right. Before we hear about how Dom Marie started her fashion line, let's hear about one of our sponsors. Yes, you heard me correctly. One of our sponsors, our first ad. Are you shaking? Can you even believe it? You will always remember where you were when you found out that Pop Apologist finally had a sponsor. It's a beautiful day, folks. And let's hear a stunning ad from me and Chandler. So, Lauren, you know how we like to work soft. And this mentality doesn't always lend us to having the hardest of skills. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. But luckily for working soft or soft working girls like us, gone are the days when we need crazy complicated software to actually design. Now that you and I have Canva Pro, our Pop Apologist designs are truly stunning. They're next level. Canva Pro is the easy-to-use design platform that has everything you need to design like a pro. I write Instagram captions for a living and like truly can be a total novice when it comes to designing. But I know what I like and I know what I don't like. And getting from point A to point B can be so tricky when it comes to all things design. Think Todd. Canva Pro has everything you need in one place, including a collection of over 75 million premium photos, videos, audio, and graphics. Absolutely. I don't mean to take all the credit, but I have been using Canva. I discovered Canva, I think, in like 2016, a long time ago. And I have been using it for so long. Chandler, I, I sent you our episode teaser and you were like, whoa, this looks so good. Did someone design this? Yes. Uh, no, actually, I designed it on Canva. This is a true story. So then when we heard that they wanted to do a sponsorship of the pod, I w- had already been using them for years. So I was super excited to partner with them. One of my favorite features of Canva Pro is they have 420,000 plus free templates with the new designs daily, which I'm totally obsessed with. Yeah, it's great. I honestly can see everyone out here using this like for any and all of your needs. If you want to curate that story, maybe you want to drive to some swipe up links. Maybe you want to issue a formal apology because you just got canceled and you really want to make sure it looks good. I don't know. Maybe you're not that thirsty and you just want to really create a beautiful design without crying. Students, moms, boss babes everywhere, whatever your heart desires, or I guess designs, we should say, Canva's got you. Design like a pro with Canva Pro. Right now, you can get a free 45-day extended trial when you use our promo code. Just go to canva.me slash pop to get your free 45-day extended trial. That's C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash pop. Canva.me slash pop. Seriously, do it, you guys. I love Canva. It will turn you into a graphic designer overnight. So, 
feel free to put it on your resume when you're applying for jobs. With Canva, you are one. <laughs> so like, I always knew I wanted to be a fashion designer. So that kind of was like always, I went to FITM okay. right out of high school. So I went to, in Los Angeles. So I went there right after high school. And then I graduated and then I couldn't get a job because everybody wanted experience, but like I didn't have any. So I started freaking out a little bit and I'm like, okay, what do I need to, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm like, okay, I'll just go back to school and get a four-year degree. So like this way I'll look even more impressive if I have a four-year degree. Right. So then I was like, but there's really no four-year degree in design. So then I decided to do art history because I really love art. So I went to UCLA for art history and I loved it. And then I was like, well, maybe I could become an art historian. But then it was like, oh no, you have to like two more years to actually make money. You have to get a master's. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. I don't really want to do that because I really would like to design. So then I went to Redarte. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Redarte. Yes. Oh, yeah, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I literally just did a work campaign and like half of our art direction was based off of like Redarte stuff. So aren't they I'm amazing? Everything they do, chef's kiss. I know. They're amazing. So that's why I was like, okay, I got to go intern for them mm-hmm. and see if I really want to do this. So then while I was in school, I went there and I got the internship and I was like super excited because I was like, this is like the best one in LA. Cause there's really not huge fashion houses in LA. Redarte is really like the only legitimate one. There's mm-hmm. Monique Lulier, but like, it's just different, right? Like she, Monique Lulier is like really soft and really nice. And I wanted to like work for someone that's like, has been in like in Vogue and yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so I went there and I, it was a lot of work. It was like, it was there was no soft working there. It was like it was like go get a Starbucks, go to the UPS with like twenty oh boxes, gosh. walking downtown LA with this like I'm like a pretty small frame, so I'm like pushing this big old thing down oh the street gosh. trying to make the five o'clock deadline. And then like it was until like midnight. It was like and then I was still in school, so it was really hard. But I still like I was able to stay there for quite some time and enough time to like just be like so in love with design because like their whole like designing textiles and fabrics is like amazing like just touching the fabrics and like I would just like picture all the things that I would want to design with these fabrics that I was touching and feeling and then I would do like the research for them like they would say you know like research like I don't know, like Ming Dynasty prints you know so yeah. then I would like look it up and like do all of the research for that and then like I just like, I was just fantasizing about having my own clothing line while I was there, you know? So that's when I knew I didn't want to work for a designer because I just, the whole time I was just like, I want to do this. I want to do this. I don't want, you know, I don't want to help somebody build up their dream. I want to do my own thing, you know? So then, um, but then I got pregnant. (laughs) I was, I got pregnant with my first baby and I was like, I can't work here anymore. And I graduated (laughs) from, from UCLA and I was like, I can't work here anymore. And so I actually had to quit right before they were going to like pick the intern to go to New York with them. So I was really, really oh sad because I was like, maybe I could have made the cut, but there was, there was a lot of good candidates. So I don't know if I would have bet, but anyways, so, um, so then I left there and then I had my first baby or whatever. And then, then after that, I was like, Oh, I'll do it. I'll do it next time. And then, uh, I'll do it like in a year. And then I got pregnant again and then um, by that time, I had my baby. I don't know if you guys know, but I have a baby with special needs. No, and I, didn't, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I do. My daughter, my second daughter is Luciana, and she's eight now. But okay. she's not verbal nor mobile. Like, she doesn't walk. She doesn't talk. Um, so I had her. Like, I didn't know about this until I actually had her. Like, I gave birth, mm-hmm. and there was, like, this whole drama in the NICU. And then... Finally, I was, I know it was, it was the worst time, the worst time, like 
at the yeah. worst time of my life. And this was and your, your first baby. This was my second one. Oh, so your this second. Is, okay. Yeah. So by the time I had my my second one, I was like, this is going to be easy because I already mm-hmm. had my first one. Like, this will be fine, you know? And then um, the nurse is like, oh, the baby, her cry, it's like really faint. And and I was like, oh, okay, what's, you know, what's the big deal? Whatever. She's like, we're going to take her to the NICU and just like check her out mm-hmm. to make sure everything's fine with her. And I was like, okay. And then like, they never came back. It was like hours and hours. Oh my goodness. And then finally they came back and they were like, you know, we're going to run some testing because some things physically look, you know, a little off and not normal. And I'm like, okay. <sighs> and then by the second day, they're like, we did an ultrasound in her brain on her brain and she's missing like her corpus callosum, which is like the center part of your brain. Okay. And I was like, what? And then finally, I found out that she had like this chromosomal abnormality. And it's chromosome eight, you know, like with Down syndrome kids, they have, um, it's chromosome 21. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's like a trisomy. In her case, it's like a partial trisomy. Okay. And, um, you know, at that time, I didn't know what it really meant. But I looked it up online. I was like, wow, it was really scary when I looked yeah. it up online. So um, fast forward, you know, like a couple months, we kind of came to terms with that we had a kid with special needs and that she was going to require a lot of help and a lot Mm -hmm. of work. So that's when I thought like, okay, like my dream of becoming a fashion designer, that's just not going to happen. Like I'm just going to be like a stay at home mom and I'm going to be like in my sweats all the time. And, you know, like they had like this doom and gloom feeling, you know, right. And then so I I I made with that. Yeah. Yeah. I stayed with that grief for like quite some time, you know? Yeah. I mean, I just can't even imagine. I just can't even imagine like, I mean, even I think about taking care of kids when we eventually have kids and it just seems so daunting. And so the idea of like, like, oh, like I have to, I'm going to be much more as demanded of me. Like, of course you would be, you know, in a place where it's like, how can I also fulfill my dreams and the things I've wanted to accomplish? Mm -hmm. I totally see Yeah. Your mind totally goes there because you- you um, have these dreams with your kid of how you think your life is going to be, Mm -hmm. right? You have like, I'm going to have healthy kids running around and Mm -hmm. I'm going to be like, be a fashion designer and we're going to have this amazing life. And then all of a sudden you start, you take stock of that and you're like, is that really going to happen? Because now I don't even have a kid that I'm going to have a kid in a wheelchair now, you Mm -hmm. know? So how's that Mm -hmm. even going to look, you know? So then, um, but luckily like my husband's super supportive and he was like he saw that I started getting pretty like depressed and anxious and just kind of like and I kind of knew it too and I just didn't like the feeling that I was getting and I was just like really sad but at the same time like I wasn't like I wasn't depressed a hundred you know what I'm saying I was more anxious than anything it was like reflecting more anxiety driven yeah and Mm -hmm. so then I was like you know I need to go see a therapist because I don't like the feelings that I'm having yeah so then I went to see a therapist and then she was like she helped me um, see that dream again and see how I could have that dream with a kid with special needs, you know? And like, and I, and I told Michael too, like, I don't want this to be like um, our story. Like, this is like, we have a kid with special needs and that's us, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, no, like she's, she's like, we're going to thrive with a child with special needs, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And, and then, so then from there I started small, like I started, um, you know, like just dreaming up like a brand that I would want to have. And then like, and then Michael for like one Christmas, he gave me like his first, my first like investment, you know, like he, he like gave me like a check of like, I don't know, like, like $1,200 or something like that. And he was like, here, so you can like get some fabric and you can kind of like make a dress or something, you know? And then I was like, okay. And then like that next with that money, I started like in my LLC, you know? And then like, mm-hmm. I, um, like, 
the next year, like I was full on, like I was like starting swatching fabrics and then that's how I started it. Like it just like came from that. I, I know long story. It's a long story, but that's no, it's, it's beautiful. And it's just a, so impressive, really. Thank you. I mean, how, how incredibly inspirational, like mm-hmm. to think that to, I mean, I think that it would just be, and I, I obviously I've no, I've never had an experience like that, so I don't want to like come from a place of pretending to be like, oh, I know, I know how you'd feel, or like I, I totally get it because I don't get it, but I, but um, you know, trying to imagine like if anyone is going through that, what an inspiration to think like, no, we're gonna like thrive in this situation. We're not gonna see it as something that's going to bring us down. We're going mm-hmm. to like still live this beautiful life that we've always imagined and it's just going to be different than what we thought. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. So your husband gave you $1,200 to start the brand. Yes, he did. So how does that even begin to cover the startup cost? It didn't. It didn't. He wrote a lot more checks after that. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, he's my only one investor. And it's so funny because I'm like always like, I feel like it sucks because I'm like, I just want to make enough money. So, and he doesn't like call me out on it or anything. Right. But I'm just like, I just want to make enough money that I don't feel like I owe anybody any money, you know? So I'm kind of like getting there right now, but it's just like, so what happened is that, so it first starts with, okay, I, the way that it started the first time, the first collection that I launched was never, ever seen because it was horrible. (laughs) Okay. It was was horrible. Like the thing is you have to find an awesome pattern maker. You have to find Mm -hmm. someone that knows the craft and the Mm -hmm. art of making a pattern because that's where the fit comes. That's where the style you can sketch. I could sketch all I want and make an incredible sketch and a beautiful thing. But if you have a crappy pattern maker, the person that's actually making the pattern for the dress, it's just going to look horrible if they don't understand it. So I started with one and it didn't work out. And then luckily I found this other one, Helen, just like by a fluke. I came across the halls with her and she was like at the, where my seamstress is. And she's like, oh, you know, passing out her little business cards. And um, I was like, okay, whatever. She's like, oh, yeah, I, de- I designed for Rebecca Taylor. And I'm just like, okay, oh yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know, like, I wasn't sure. Yeah. You know, like, you know how people just throw names out there. I'm right. like, yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, whatever. So then I was re- – Michael's like, what does it hurt? You need to try a different pattern maker. And I'm like, all right. So I went to her, and, like, she was legit. Like, she was amazing. She um, draped on it. So there's a difference. You could do p- flat patterns, which is on, a like, a table. Mm-hmm. Like you sketch mm-hmm. it out or you do it on a dress form, which is much better because um, obviously we're like three dimensional people, right? We like, right. We, we're not flat, right? So it just works better. The cut's better. And she understood design. She understood what I wanted and needed. And she kind of was like a big help. And then from there, um, the sourcing of the fabric and then getting the fit model. And yeah, that's kind of like I start how it starts developing. So I have a question. So like mm-hmm. with, with a person like Helen, like do you guys need to have like the similar taste or do you kind of like come to her with like, okay, this is what I'm envisioning or does she come to you with ideas? Like how does that process work? So I go with all the ideas and mm-hmm. she kind of guides me as far as like saying, okay, that this is going to be complicated to do. Like okay. she's more of like the, um, it's like the interior designer going to the architect, right? Got it's it. Like, mm-hmm. and because you're kind of like, they're mapping it out, the numbers and how it's going to go. And and of course, like her aesthetic sometimes comes, she tries to push things. Like if she's like, no, no, that's ugly. Like she's like, she's Korean. Uh, and so they're like, <laughs> oh, like no, that's ugly. <laughs> she's like, she's straight up. Like, she's just like, that's ugly. That's ugly. No. <laughs> 
And I'm like, Helen, no, I want to do it like this. Like, this is how, oh, hideous, hideous. Like, <laughs> Stop. I, honestly, no, I'm not even kidding you. It, like, she's made me cry, guys. She has made me cry. I have left her crying. <laughs> and, and I like bite my like tongue because I just want to be like, no, like, just do what I'm asking you to do. But I'm like, I'm just like biting my tongue. She's older than me. Okay, so she's like in her 50s or 60s, right? But she's like, she's like, like, you know, like, it's like, it's like a, if you guys saw us interact with each other, it's just like crazy, because like, I'm using hand signals, I'm trying to talk to her. And she's like, and she's worked in New York, like, she's like, I don't, I'm like, I don't even, I'm like, it's, I come out of there and I have to call Michael and vent like right away, (laughs) but it's gotten better for sure. Like she doesn't make me cry anymore because now I'm just like, I have harder, thicker skin now, you know, but she, so yeah, that's how it works. She tries to push it sometimes, but I have to be super strong on my design aesthetic and be like, no, I really want this puffy sleeve like this, you know, and things like that, but so uh, it's just so funny because I remember um, when I went to China, like the, the, the just the culture there, I think it's just Asian cultures in general, mm-hmm. a lot of them, like they, they're just so incredibly direct. Like they'll just say, oh, you, oh yeah, you've gained weight. Like it's just like part mm-hmm. of like, it's just like, oh, we're going to go to this place, but maybe you don't want to go because it looks like you're like, gain, you've gained weight or something like that. They're just like so incredibly oh my gosh. Um, yes. direct. And I saw this one New York Times documentary about this girl, um, like about the culture of dating in China and the bridal consultant was like yeah so you're this age and you're you know not I wouldn't call you pretty like she was just like appraising the lady oh, it was just like how it. they talk to each other I believe it because like I so there's another story I took uh one of my models over there like so when my fit model so the way that it works you have to have a fit model to try on the pieces to make sure that it's a complete size so I usually start with the size four that's like my sample size. So, and then we grade it up to all the way to like extra, extra large I do. And then I do like, you know, size extra small. So anyways, I had my fit model that I usually use. I took another one and she, after the model left, she's like, you never, never bring her back. I was like, okay. What? She's like, never bring her back. Never bring her back. She's, she's too skinny. She's too skinny. She's not a size four. And I was like, but she's a size four, Helen. Like, it's like super direct. And she's like, got really mad because she didn't have a bra on. And she got really mad that she didn't have a bra on. And I was like, I could put her, I could have her try on my bra. I could have, it's like, it's crazy, guys. It's like, it's just. That is so funny. She's very direct, but it's, it's, you know, I don't care. It's fine. It's, it is. Well, and it's so much better to have like a direct, like, open yes. communication versus someone who like beats around the bush and is like passive aggressive or like resentful like a hundred percent yeah it's better it's better this way even mm-hmm. though sometimes yeah, it does it- make you cry I like, cry all the time at work. It's totally fine. Um, I'd love to know. I'd love to know. Like, do you have so? Okay, so kind of going into a little bit of like the the Doan drama because a lot of it is based on people being very unhappy with pre order and thinking that Doan like treats their customers like a bank. I mean, I've I've mm-hmm. I worked at Stance in you know in the operations, and so I understand that you know a lot of times the go to market is at least a year to get something from like ideation to like in the customer's hands. And that's like super, super fast. Um, Generally it's longer. So I'm curious what you think, like first how it works for you. Like, do you buy inventory and then sell your inventory? Is it made to order or do you consider yourself slow fashion? I'd just love to know like how essentially the production works for, for Damaris Bailey. Okay. So when I first started, I did buy some inventory and that was a mistake because I was so small. Like that just wasn't mm-hmm. a good idea. I would have like, 
and Michael had told me, just don't buy inventory. Like, why don't you just do a really small thing of like, hey, I only have five pieces, like in whatever goes, goes. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to buy inventory. And I did. And then I had a really small audience. So I got stuck with inventory. And that was, luckily, it wasn't like huge. So it didn't like break me. But then the uh, following season, I did made to order. And I would say on my site, like made to order, you know, three to four weeks or whatever. And then mm-hmm. I did that. And then um, for this model, I'm doing it a little differently where it's I'm doing a pre-order. So the way okay. that because it funds my production, that's why I do a pre-order because that way I mm-hmm. can say, okay, I need to make 20. Obviously, like I still have it doesn't completely fill my production because I have to still put money up front. But at least I know like an idea of what's the popular dress. Okay, I know that yep. this dress is a super popular dress. So I'm going to put a lot more money on this collection my own money and yes people are funneling in like sending me money in but it's not like what exactly I still have to put like because I'm buying my fabric ahead of time and like things like that so that's where I fall and well no I just I mean and the fabric is really where like all of the I mean once the fabric is created that's really where the environmental like cost comes in right because it's like that's where the dyeing is that's Mm -hmm. the raw materials that's where if there's excess that's where it would be so how do you like is it even possible to to kind of nail it on the fabric order so that it just meets what you need or I I do I I usually order smaller so I will I'll be conservative I'll be pretty conservative with the amount of fabric that I order so um, I, you know, I usually ask friends and family first, like, Hey, what fabrics, what dresses do you like? You know? And okay. I even asked a couple <laughs> of influencers, like I'll ask Courtney, I asked like Courtney and a couple of other ones, like, Hey, which dress do you want me to send to you? You know? And yep. then once I get that, I'm like, okay, all right, everybody really is gravitating towards this print. So I'm going to order a lot more of this print. So by the time that the print's here already, I already know like, okay, I have like, 30 dresses that I need to make of this print and you know and then that's when I um luckily my seamstresses are really awesome I have a really good relationship and and it's in Los Angeles like we make everything in Los Angeles so it's like that that's why I could do it so quickly because I am in LA so I could just be like all right here's the fabric you know and like I need blah 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 you know and so that's kind of why I didn't do overseas I, I never wanted to do overseas honestly and it's not because of sustainable aspect of it although it's 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 more of a reason like I wanted to do it so I can um, oversee the production. I can make sure the quality is really good. Um, I'm like just more of a control freak and I wanted to have that here. And also mm-hmm. I just like love, love talking. When I was working for Redarte, I would meet all kinds of seamstresses and I would meet the pattern makers. Like I really enjoy talking to people and enjoy talking, being around that of building and working and creating something together. So I love going in there and being like, oh, how's this going? Let me see the sample. And like, how's your family doing? Like that kind of stuff. And I have like a good relationship with all of them. I know their families. And it's just like, I don't know. I just like that. I like that feel. And I can't wait until I actually have my own like place where I can have my employees right there. And I can, you know, I don't know. It's just like, I like that feeling. And like the whole sustainability thing, like I obviously like I want to strive to be a little bit better about it. But like, I just like, I feel like if you just live your life, like in a way that you're proud of yourself and you try to be good to people and kind to people, like that just kind of comes with it, right? Like, I think as Mm -hmm. starting as a small brand, like it's just like, hey, I'm going to pay my workers really good wages. I'm going to, and obviously like I can't, I can't afford to pay anybody healthcare insurance right now. Like I just, I can't, I'm too small, Mm -hmm. but I, that's why I can't wait until I actually have like a, 
a place where I can, you know, employ all of these people and I can actually give them healthcare. Cause right now it's more like I contract the worked out. Like they're not just my right. employees. They're working for other people too, you know? Right. So the whole doing thing is like, so go ahead, Lauren, you were going to ask. Well, oh no. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think in my opinion, I think that the majority of environmental impact is when there's a, just a bunch of excess inventory mm-hmm. that just gets what's called EOL, where it just gets sold to like a TJ Maxx or a Ross. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's not your brand because obviously that's not what you're doing, but that's what big brands will do eventually. That's why things go to Nordstrom Rack is EOL. And so when when you have things like that and then they eventually just you know get thrown away, which happens to a lot of it, that's where the huge environmental impact comes in and that really that fast fashion environment. And so if you're producing in small batches to actually just meet the demand, then it's such a smaller footprint. And you're not, you know, you're not exploiting like, obviously, like, you know, cheap producers overseas, Mm -mm. where all of those harsh chemicals and dyes are being used. And they're just very little, there's very little regulation or oversight. And then all the waste is created. I mean, like you look at like Forever 21, like those are like those types uh. of brands are the real problem. I mean, I remember when they were getting in trouble for just dumping their clothes in like dumpsters, literally, because I think they were going to get in trouble for like having as much waste and not selling enough of it. So they just literally dumped it. Yeah. And I don't like, I don't like, like, I don't like the overconsumption. Like I don't, right. I understand. I love to consume guys. Like I am, <laughs> I love to buy like the 50 skincare products. I have them. Like I love makeup. I want everything out. But at the same time, it's like, I still want like quality stuff. And I, I'm learning that I don't need all of the qualities, all of it, you know, it's like, my closet's pretty small. So it's like, it has to fit kind of like in my closet, you know, like the five dresses mm-hmm. that I really like for every season. Now what I do is like, I like build a capsule collection, right? Like, so I obviously have pieces of mine for my spring, but then I always pick from other designers. So it's kind of like, I want to have like wardrobe for like 10 days, right? Like 10 days like awesome, cool spring looks that I could just rotate. Like I don't need to over consume Mm -hmm. things and I don't need to make like too much product. I don't need to make too much inventory and too much like skews, you know, like I like a style. Exactly. Yeah. I just, I don't think it's necessary. So, 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 you know, truly being an industry expert and insider and knowing how things run, mm-hmm. I'm so curious and how you feel about the Doan drama and what your, what you, what your opinion is. Okay. So when I, I like Doan, right. Cause I, I bought like when they first came out, I was like in love with them. I bought yeah. maybe two, three things. I was like, I'm the coolest person ever, right? <laughs> when I bought it. <laughs> totally. And then um, I'm, I'm that artist that they're photographing, you know? It's like, that was like the whole thing, right? They're photographing all these artists and you're just like, oh yes. Anyways, so I, it's complicated because I, I also felt, I also thought that it was like a sustainable brand. I also thought that too. So it's kind of, mm-hmm. but then at the same time, I give them the, the grace that they deserve because I know how hard it is to sell, to make a good quality product and how expensive it is to make a good quality product. Like okay. it's expensive to make, like it's like, I, that's why I don't even do wholesale because um, the markup is crazy. And if I was to mark up my products even more, I'm like, I would feel uncomfortable with it. So I just don't right. do. Yeah. What do you mean, like by wholesale? I feel like for the listeners, like what's the difference between like what you do and wholesale? Okay, so this is how wholesale would work. So I let's say a dress of mine costs like I don't know, like a hundred dollars to make. Okay, 
but that's not how much it costs. I'm just saying that. But like, let's just say right. like it's a hundred dollars, and then um, I have to sell it to let's say I, I want um, Nordstroms to carry it. So then I sell it to Nordstroms, and I want to make some money off of it too, right? Because I need to make make money, right? Yeah. So then I say, okay, um, I'm gonna sell it to Nordstroms for this amount of money that I feel that I'm gonna make two hundred. So I'm gonna sell it to two hundred, and then Nordstroms. But then if I'm selling it on my site, you know, then I need to mark it up. Nordstrom's wants me to market up at least two points, right? Mm-hmm. So it would be, from, from what you sell it to them at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yep. then I would have to be like, that dress then now comes, what, $450, right? Was that right? Mm-hmm. If you market 2.5? Yeah. So it mm-hmm. would be 450 So that's how it works. So if I – so it's kind of hard for me because my price is still pretty high because I'm not, like, producing that much. So, like, mm-hmm. if I had a – like a Zara's, why do you think everything's so cheap for them? Because they're producing thousands and thousands of crap. Right. So it's like if they go to someone to say, "Can you sew this for me?" They're like, "Yeah, sure, it'll be five dollars to sew this dress because you're ordering ten thousand, right? Mm-hmm, right?" So in my case, if I'm ordering like fifty dresses, they're like, "Um, it's going to cost you like one hundred twenty, you know, hundred twenty-five yeah. or something." And then so then it just gets higher and higher, you know. So then I'm like. Do I really want to sell like a 500 dress to my customer? You know, like, do I really want to do this and that? You know, like it starts making me question those things. So that's why I still haven't done wholesale. Um, it's not very to them when I, when they've, they've reached out to me, like three people has reached out to me in a couple of stores. And then I give them my wholesale thing. And they're like, oh, the markup, you know, and I'm like, oh, I know, you know, maybe in the future, you know, like maybe when I make more product, they'll be more like comfortable with it. Yeah, the problem is it would drive up the price for mm-hmm. your for your entire customer base because yeah. that's the whole thing with direct to consumer is like the um, you can have lower prices because you don't have to give a huge cut of your margins to a wholesale account. Mm-hmm. So, and with the benefits of a wholesale account, though, is that they'll buy in bulk. So they'll cash flow your business at an earlier part of your production. But then, you know, you're then you're in a situation where you need to produce probably thousands and thousands of each SKU. And then it's like probably would change your production model, I'm assuming, too. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's complicated, you know. But with Doen, I feel like, I don't know, like, I feel like... It's kind of complicated. Like I get it, and I watch. Did you guys watch her little her story? The, the... yes. Okay. What did you guys yeah. think about it? What I thought you... it was extremely cringy. Oh. Um, <sighs> it was it's... so unprofessional, and it sounded like she was using her baby as a prop. I know. It just did not. It. I feel like the apology videos are very hit or miss, and this was certainly a miss. I feel like it wasn't necessary. Like I feel like she didn't have to. I. I. She did have to make a statement, but I. I think it should have been in a different. I don't like not like that you know like it felt too emotionally driven right and, I, and it the the baby crying it just it, I, it felt I like know. she was grasping a little bit mm-hmm. I know I felt the same way too I was like oh I bet I I feel like the the thing is like in this era that we're in it's like it just doesn't come off as being genuine when you're always jumping on everything that everybody's complaining about or canceling mm-hmm. like it's just like, you just have to be authentic. Like, I just feel like sometimes it just seems like everybody's just jumping on the bandwagon to cancel everybody. And I just feel like, don't be quick to cancel anyone, you know? Like, I, I feel like just, and that's why I don't want to cancel Doan either. Like, I don't want to cancel them because I feel like, hey, we all make mistakes. Like, maybe you did kind of like act like you were a sustainable brand, but you really weren't, you know, because people were saying it. Like, well, I totally, I think it's like when brands want to claim like that they're, 
like that they're more than a brand and that they have all these higher morals and values mm-hmm. and like they want to behave, you know, it's this corporate thing that wants to behave like, you know, this like purified person. And I think like, unless like everything's in order within your house, like exactly SHIT is going to come to the surface and people are going to know and it's not going to look good. Exactly. I feel exactly, that's exactly how I feel. It's kind of like, I never want to be like, hey, I'm so perfect because it's like, um, no, I'm not, you know, totally. like, I don't want to do that because then you just put a big bullseye on your forehead. It's right. Just- and and the thing is, I feel like the internet right now is out for blood, like with yeah. everybody. I mean, Lauren and I feel this all the time. It's like, it's, it's even hard having a podcast because you're like, you know, you want to be your true self and be able to be honest. But sometimes like that comes like with the um with the stress of getting canceled or you know that it's not going to sit well with like a certain subset of people and then they're going to like trash you on the internet for it a hundred percent I know I I that's why I think that it's just like you just you just try to be as good as you can to other people and if you do fall short you just say hey I'm sorry like I'm sorry I made this mistake like you just apologize right you know and And Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No. And I think that what she kind of was doing is she had said something like her employees were maybe upset and that's why this happened. And it was just kind of a revenge attack. And it wasn't like, and it was like, no, that it wasn't a revenge attack. It was just, it's a legitimate thing that's happening in your store, you know, totally brand. And I think like if you double down and like the internet's never, or like, honestly, people and if you're getting complaints from your customers and you double down on your stance, mm-hmm. like that is never going to look good. A hundred percent. I, this is so funny, but um, it's, you know, when we were growing up, if our mom was upset with us, if we doubled down or like didn't apologize or gave a half apology or whatever, things always just escalated and got worse. And mm-hmm. I remember I had this revel, like, like not a revelation, but like a, a, a light bulb moment when I was probably like, 14 and I was like if I just like profusely apologize and take full ownership even if it's BS and I totally don't believe what I'm saying the entire situation will be over within probably like 90 seconds or we can drag this out for three days of drama you know there's like one one of two paths and I remember I remember I started doing this just like completely just being like, absolutely, I should have never done that. It is just so terrible of me. Like I, I truly apologize. And and it would, it would diffuse the situations. But I, and I feel like with the Doman video, like she didn't, it wasn't just like this professional like apology, like that we will do better. It was like so many equivocations mm-hmm. and like defensive, like so much defensiveness. And like, I think in today's environment, you just have to completely own it or else people, or else it'll backfire. A hundred percent. Because then you're not, you're not acknowledging that there's something wrong there. Like, even like if you, let's say if she didn't really believe the claims, I'll be like, you should still acknowledge them that they're there and right. completely just be like, no, it was just employees that they were upset and, you know, all this stuff. And like, we're being attacked and we're being, you know, it's just like, okay, totally. what are the complaints that are being said? Let's let me like, this is the complaint. This is how we're going to rectify it. And this is the complaint, you know, this is, we're going to work on this. And I don't know. That's how it, it. I don't want to cancel them is what I'm saying, but I do see yeah. that there might be, I, I could see how people thought it was a sustainable brand. You know, I could totally see that and how they, they profited from it, you know? Right. Right. Or, um, what do you, so I have a question. What do you think about their pre-order process? Um, and what do you think about their prices? Do you think that their prices are like, do you understand why the prices are so high or do you think that they're like inflated? 
See the pre okay, so the pre-order like it's hard for me to say because I'm doing the same thing because I pre-order. So I I would say I understand why they're doing a pre-order. Um, what I don't understand, I the price is going up. I mean, they get it done in India, so I don't know what the pricing mark is. It, that's like the pricing here in LA. LA is really expensive because you're paying like a good wage, right? You're paying like the wages of California. You there's like laws totally. here, like you can't, you know. So, um, but in India, I don't know what the pricing would be. I would think just like, I think that they're, if they're price, making the same dress, but they're charging more for it, then that makes me think, okay, that's weird. Especially if they're probably still, and they're even more popular now. That's what I was just going to say really quick. I feel like they, their price point started at a certain place years ago, and now it's only gone up in, as they've grown in popularity, um, which is, and, and grown in production, if you will, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. The only thing that I think it might be, I was thinking maybe it's because, because they do, they are selling to like Net-A-Porter's, and maybe that's why, because they're starting to do wholesale. Maybe that's yeah, why. Yeah, so they that makes have sense. To, that's, that's, that might be it. That might be it, that they don't want to do so much direct-to-consumer anymore. They want to get into more stores. So they're, 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 they're getting themselves in a place where they can set themselves up, where they can have their addresses like in bigger stores. Maybe that's what it is. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, and I think that's the other – I mean, it just it just makes you realize, like, we would be a more peaceful society if we just gave brands the benefit of the doubt and people the benefit of the doubt and just didn't yes. assume the worst. Like, oh, now they're, like, greedy, like, you know, they're greedy business owners mm-hmm. that and capitalists mm-hmm. that just want to exploit, exploit consumers. Like, what if there's just way more at play in this business that most people have no clue how it works – you just don't understand, you know, or they brought in investors, you know, and like now that you have investors, you have more, you have to divide the profits even more, you know, like, yeah, or, you know, it's just, it's and now that maybe they want to build a warehouse. So they're like, it's kind of a thing of like, hey, if you want to buy a $400 dress, then buy it and don't complain about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a thing of like, it, don't complain about the 400 the people that are going to complain about the $400 dress shouldn't be buying the $400 dress mm-hmm. you know well it's I like, think that I think people were up in arms because they're now like 800 Ooh, have you seen that they're like $800 a lot of their stuff yeah that's that's pretty I wonder what fabric it is that's crazy how I wonder how they justify that that's because if yeah. it's silk or something like that then I would say okay but even $800 eek like yeah. I I honestly when I started up my brand I was like there is no way I do not want to charge like my most expensive dress right now is I think three fifty four, or I think mm-hmm. something like that. But I was like, or f- maybe in the fours. But I maybe it's the Rosita dress because that one has a lot of detail in it. But the more detail a dress has, the more expensive it is, obviously, because the more work, the more labor it is. Like a t shirt, obviously, right. super easy to make. It's not going to be expensive. It's the more details, the more the the seamstress has to stop its machine and start all over again to do the other thing. So. Um, yeah, I, I always told Michael, I'm like, I just, I don't want to charge too much for my stuff. Like, I, I just don't. Like, I want, I want more people to wear it. And I still know it's still like a super, it's still expensive. I know that. But maybe later on, I'll come up with like a brand that's more or less expensive. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, to- totally, totally. Well, I think, I think when people know that they're paying for quality, and it really is, it's like, it's like paying for, you know, fashion, like, before fast fashion it's paying for something that was well made by people that were paid Mm -hmm. well and there isn't a bunch of waste like that is a purchase you can feel really good about so i think your price point is like exactly that i think it's like it's it's a high like priced like luxury good but it's i mean it's not like the 700 dollars that like frankly is just out of the question for most people like to spend on a dress me too yeah for sure 
So to finish out, we are the Pop Apologists. So we would love to get your fashion opinion on some celebrities, some housewives. So first, little lightning round. Who is your favorite celebrity styles? Or what are your favorite celebrity styles? Okay, I have. So I love, um, do you guys know Rosamund Pike? I don't know if I've seen it right. Yes, love Uh, her. Isn't she amazing? Oh my gosh, did you guys see that Netflix movie? No, I've been wanting to watch it. You need, though. To, you need, okay. you you would love it. And her haircut is amazing. It's like a severe like bob. I don't know. It's like it's just it's beautiful. And her, I love a blunt chop. Oh, it's it's awesome. And her clothes on there on the on the show is like amazing on the movie. And so I love her style. It's very modern and really feminine, but like not super feminine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like really monochromatic looks and just like really straight lines. I just love it. And then I also love um, Zoe Kravitz. I think she's super mm-hmm. edgy and feminine and sexy at the same time. And like, she just has a lot of fun with her clothes. And Gwyneth Paltrow, of course, because she has oh. great taste. Yes, <laughs> she really does. Oh my gosh. That's a, that is a great like trifecta right there. Oh, thanks. Love it. I remember the first time I saw Rosamund Pike's face and I was like, wow, that's mm. the perfect human face. Mm-hmm. Like... <laughs> Was She's it on kind Gone of like Girl? Gemma Chan. Uh, no, it was on Pride and Prejudice, like oh, way back in the right. day. That's mm-hmm. right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. She's beautiful. She's stunning. Classic Elizabeth – or classic um, – what's the older sister in in Pride and Prejudice? Karen Knightley? Not, no, no. Like what's the name? Because it's like the older oh, sister is like Liz, the most beautiful. Lizzie, and then there's – Oh, it's Jane. I, I knew it. Yeah, classic it Jane, Jane Bennett. And yeah. I, that popped in my brain, but I'm like, no, that's not it. Yeah. Chan, you would have sounded so smart. It's very <laughs> unfortunate. Shoot. I need to trust my my intellect more. Just go for it. And we can edit it out if you're wrong next time. You're right. You're right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. She's so um, beautiful. Isn't she? Oh, my gosh. She's she's amazing. And then Kate, Kate Bosworth. I like her, too. Oh, yes. oh, I like her a lot, too. Yeah. What celebrity or housewife would you like to restyle? Oh my gosh. I think you guys are going to totally agree on this. Okay. Denise Richards, right? (laughs) It's so bad. It's so bad. I feel like Kagan wants Lauren to dress like Denise Richards. (laughs) Is this true? Oh my gosh, Chandler. We have literally just unlocked something here. He wants me to have a top knot, some Uggs on, some bootcut jeans, a spaghetti strap brass plum tank. He basically wants you to be like a retired beach bum or something. Or like... That's no. Oh my gosh. Poor Denise Richards, guys. Like the outfits. I it's they're so underwhelming. I and know. It, she comes into a room and it's like a Debbie Downer. It's like, oh my gosh, like can you just like Yeah. I like I kinda I respect like the, the dedication to cutoffs. Like I don't know that I could mm. I can pull off cutoffs like year round, but she really does it. It's crazy. I also think you can have a commitment to comfort in your life, but that doesn't mean you have to sacrifice style. Like, I don't understand uh, why great. it's like, okay, yeah. so I have to be in Uggs. I have mm-hmm. to be in – I have to have a top knot. Like, Well, the thing ugh. is that it that look just feels so young. It feels like a young look. Like, right. it, it hasn't evolved, right? Like, that's super cute. Like, if you're in your 20s and, mm-hmm. like, maybe, like, mid-30s, but, like, it needs to evolve to the next phase of that person. Like, it just hasn't evolved, right? right? It feels like, oh, my gosh. So if I was to I do feel- her, like, make, over, make her over, I was thinking, how great would she look, like, in, like, a Givenchy suit, 
like oh, in mm-hmm. this leather dress, like all monochromatic because she's such a beautiful person. Like, right. just, mm-hmm. like let's just keep, put you in all nudes, you know, like it's just like mm-hmm. a nice suit and like, like a, just like a nice leather dress, like maybe in like a black or in a burgundy and like, just like monochromatic mm-hmm. look. I think she just looks so beautiful. Yes. If she insists on wearing plaited shirts and like, I don't know, ripped up denim and it's just like, oh. Would you also oh. take away Aaron's um, white stitch jeans? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. What about his leather jacket that he always oh. wear? That black leather like jacket? Hand. With like the, like the mini collar. It's, oh, oh. it's so bad. It is so bad. It's like, they're just like, I don't know. Like they don't even feel Hollywood. They feel something else. Yeah. They're very like, they're very like Tamara Judge adjacent. Um, yes. <laughs> not Hollywood adjacent. Yes. No offense to Tamara Judge, but they just seem like they would be like neighbors in Ladera Ranch, not necessarily yeah, like, like. Yeah, like no style, like just kind of like didn't really put any effort into their look and. Totally. Yeah. For a housewife, you kind of want like the, the glam, you know? Right. You want the high fashion, like, because yes. they can afford it. Yeah. Well, I think if I was God, I'd be really pissed. I'd be like, I literally made you perfect. <laughs> so how dare you? How dare you like tarnish my creation? You're talking about Aaron, right? Top knots. Like how how dare you showcase that beauty in those like ripped up jeans, right. right? Yeah. It's really exhausting though, being on a soap opera all day. So I feel like she just wants to slip into something super, super cash. That's true. I know, but like I would be happy with her if she like even was like in her skims like you know, nightgown instead of wearing like, I'm like, you know what I mean? Like the jeans or the sweats yes. with the Uggs, you know? Yeah, the to- totally. It's, I mean, even like a Yolanda Hadid oh, pulls her. off a really great denim and classic easy top and a flat. Like, it's not like that the, that it's a, it's like a bad jean. It's like a bad yes. shoe. It's like a bad t-shirt. Yeah. Yes. I feel like Yolanda, even if she wore Uggs, like she would upgrade it. Like it would still look really good. Like it would be like, oh, I just went out to pick up for my garden and it was really cold. So I put like Uggs over my really polished jeans and like this, like, I feel like she would still make it work because she just has good taste, you know? I feel like celebrities that dress well are like sleek when they're casual. Mm -hmm. Um, Their clothes always look brand new. It looks like the first time they've worn this sweatsuit, this like, you know, uh, duster, if you will. It looks like everything looks super clean and fresh. But I feel Mm -hmm. like Denise's clothes all look like they've been laundered for four years. (laughs) yes exactly like, and dried it, yeah it looks like she's still wearing the stuff that she wore when she was like in high school or right, you know, totally like, so i don't funny. need i don't need new jeans let's just get these to the tailor yeah, to get a patch right. in the hole well maybe maybe she feels really good about like hey these jeans still fit me you know totally all right rock oh on my gosh. so funny okay last thing what are your favorite trends right now and least favorite trends okay so my favorite trend right now is, I don't know what you guys feel about this, but it's like the statement trouser, like the one that's like, so I'm kind of getting it over my jeans right now. And I'm like kind of tired of wearing them. And it's more of like the pleated, um, pleated pant or the wide leg plant, you know, that I'm kind of feeling mm-hmm. that right now. And, so cute. And the other one is obviously like the puff sleeve. I have a lot of puff sleeves in my collection, like the voluminous sleeve. Like I just, I'm not tired of it yet, but I feel like next season – I'm already thinking about fall and I'm not going to have a puff sleeve in the fall. I'm going to have, really? yeah, I'm not going to do a puff sleeve. I'm going to do more of a structured sleeve. It's still going to have cool. like a little bit above a puff in it, but it's not going to be a voluminous puff. Like it's not going to be like, so like bubbly. It's going to mm-hmm. be a little mm-hmm. bit more structured. So I'm like, 
I think I'm gonna do that for fall. I'm already thinking of like all these ideas for fall. Oh my gosh. And I'm excited. Yeah, it's gonna be like I'm thinking like a West like Arizona, Sedona, Native American, <sighs> like yes. like kind of feel, but then at the same time pioneer, like, you know, I don't know. If you need us to be on the shoots, um, just yes, just right. there, just like watching, mm-hmm. we're, we'll be there. We'll be there. Oh, you need it. Sounds so dreamy. <laughs> you guys should totally come. Next time you guys are all down in Orange County, we need to get together. Yes. Yes. Let's so do it. Fun. Absolutely. So fun. I would love it. Okay. So the other one that I'm not into, Lauren, though. Is, yes. Okay. Is the cutout one. The one that's too many cutouts. I don't know yeah. if you guys noticed that there's a lot of cutouts going on. And I don't mind a cutout. I think it's cute, but I just don't like it all over. It looks, starts looking too like, I don't know, Miami like a cutout. Trashy. Yeah, like a cutout neck and a cutout shoulder and back. You, yeah, like a cutout side. You know, like mm-hmm. on the side of your like your abdomen. You know, like right there, and then another cutout no. like maybe on your chest. Yeah. Like, too sexy. Like I don't. I like sexy. Don't get me wrong. I just don't like it when it's like. I don't know, clubbing too sexy. I know. You know? I kind well, of I, I struggle with a cutout in general because I feel like it's it's like, oh, I want to be warm, but I also want to look sexy. And mm-hmm. I'd rather just commit to one look or the other. Yeah, I feel like a cutout looks really good like around the chest part and a, yeah. the back, on the back. Yeah. You know, on the back. I think that looks really that looks I think no matter what you would look good with that. Oh, thank a you. chest or a back cutout is always pretty because it's like when you're sitting down, that part of your skin doesn't really mm, fold. That's a good point. But like if you have a side cutout, a lot of times like that can look good when you're trying it on. Ooh, it looks really good true. in like the editorial photos. But then when you're actually like in an environment sitting down, suddenly it's it's not looking like it used to. You so. have to, even like a bathing suit. Like I have a bathing suit that's really cute that has like cutouts on both sides from that brand. I don't know if you guys know the brand that's M A R. I can't pronounce it. M A R Y S I A S I A. Yeah, 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 totally. You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. one. But like, it doesn't look really cute when I sit down. Like I'm like I have to kind of do like that awkward like, <laughs> like <laughs> like my my arms to my back kind of a thing. <laughs> it just looks awkward when you sit down and kind of fold. So like, you definitely have to be like. Maybe pre-babies. I don't know. But. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, so there will. So what we've just learned is that there will not be a puff sleeve and there will definitely not no. be any midriff cutouts <laughs> no, <laughs> next no season. Way. No way. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so fun. Thank oh, you. Thank you guys for having me. You guys are the best. Your podcast is like so funny and entertaining. So. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank it's you. So nice. Thank you. So tell everyone where to find you, where to see your beautiful collections, all the good things. So you can find me on Don Maurice Bailey shop on Instagram and on my website, donmauricebailey.com. And then if you use code friends, like I would use all caps, friends, F-R-I-E-N-D-Z and an exclamation point, you can get 15% off. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. That is so nice. Our listeners are going to love that. And is it just for like the first week after we put this out? Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that for the first week after. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, Dom Maurice. Thank you, guys. So love you guys. You guys are the best. So fun. Bye. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Popologists, and we will see you next week live every Wednesday.
Do you ever worry about running out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then we've got the perfect podcast for you. I'm Eve Yohalem, and each week on Book Dreams, my co-host Julie Sternberg and I use books to explore fascinating questions, like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus's wife that turned out to be fake? And how did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, what, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Booker Prize-winning author Marlon James, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Katherine Schultz, and Merlin scholar Dr. Laura Campbell. You can listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Beerley and I'm Jennifer Chaikin and we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of the therapy group and hosts of the Shrink Chicks podcast. Every week we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships and burnout, making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the psycho babble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist, but don't know how and work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Hey.